counted so I can blend in, either too early or on the wrong block, the taste of space, aroma with all the room it needs, weightless but complexly anchored. I hold up what the light shies away from, a tendency to have many nodes, no center, the only number I need to call, given a message before I can leave one, stripped down for a cyclone of information, dancing for a hot wind of surprising recipes, so hungry I must almost be here. And we are here at the end of the talking earth, thanks to our readers, Justin Regamonte, Catherine Factor, and Doug Marks. I'm Dan Raphael. You're here on cable. Please give us your time as well as your money. Good night. I'm Dr. Demento, and you are listening to KBOO Portland. Привет, Portland. My name is Baruch Avramovich. I am inviting you to a Russian show back from USSR on cable radio every other Sunday at 9 a.m. See you there. This is KBOO Portland, community radio for the Pacific Northwest. Right now, it's the bedtime radio show for grown-ups, Gremlin Time. Well, good evening and uh, welcome to Gremlin Time, uh, the bedtime radio show for grown-ups. This is uh, Fortunato. Let's see, I've, you know, I'm a big comic book fan and I've kind of resisted actually reading comic books here on the show. But a couple of things have sort of come together right now. Uh, Last December 28th, was the uh, 100th birthday, or would have been the 100th birthday, of Stan Lee, the uh, creator of Marvel Comics. And also, 60 years ago, uh, this last, uh, you know, end of summer up to to now, was the uh, first appearance of the sort of flagship title of Marvel Comics that started it all, the Fantastic Four. Now, I have come across a series of radio dramas produced in 1968 adapted from these comic books. Now, in 68, Marvel was really starting to take off. It was getting national attention. It was, uh, there was articles in New York Magazine and Esquire Magazine. Uh, Stanley was asked to speak at colleges because college kids were really turning on to these new type of comics. And what Stanley was doing that was different It's basically characterization. The stories were character-driven, whereas all other comic books were still being written with kids in mind, and so they were all, like, plot-driven. You know, Batman versus the Joker, the Flash versus the Weather Wizard, you know, the Justice League, you know, fighting Starro or whatever. And so Stan 
um, who was about to quit the business. He'd been in for 20 years. Uh, and, and at this point, Marvel had almost, or Timely Publications had almost gone under because of a bad business decision. And Stan ended up having to fire his whole comic book writing and drawing staff. And first, after doing reprints, eventually he started writing scripts and bringing on freelance artists, including Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. And they kind of stabilized the comic books with some, you know, anthology, science fiction, horror titles, westerns, teen romance, and some humor magazines. Uh, By 1961, the publisher thought that they should try a superhero title. And so Stan and Jack came up with uh, the Fantastic Four. And it's sort of based on, uh, has pulp origins with the character Doc Savage, written by Lester Dent back in the 1930s. And that was like a, a novel that came out every month with a new adventure with Doc Savage. And kind of taking on that, you had the hero, you had the two companions who were always fighting. There was a sister in there as well. And so the Fantastic Four, though borrowing from other characters that appeared in comics, you had the Mr. Fantastic who could stretch like Plastic Man. And then you had the Invisible Girl. And then they revived their old character, the Human Torch, but this time as a teenager, Johnny Storm, uh, the Invisible Girl's younger brother. And then their friend Ben Grimm, like in a horror movie, he, they're all exposed to these cosmic rays, and he becomes a sort of man monster. Uh, but without the horror elements, I mean, the horror story elements there, but without all the scary parts. And so the Fantastic Four become heroes, and they are adventurers, not so much crime fighters. And so it came out in the end of the summer of 1961. By the time they got around to writing the third issue, it was only coming out every other month, they started getting fan mail. And so they saw that they had a popular character. And since nobody was telling Stan and Jack how to do these things, they started doing them the way they had wanted to do them and not following through with the regular conventions of writing comic books. Having the story always end at the end of the magazine, for instance. Having conflicts between the characters. And you'll see in these stories that I'm gonna present tonight, from issues 16 and 17 of the Fantastic Four. We have a return of uh, their villain, Dr. Doom, whom they thought had been shrunk down, you know, like at the end of The Incredible Shrinking Man, a movie that had come out just a a year or so before this. And, And they thought they'd gotten rid of him, but no, he's coming back. There's a element of this story that is based on an old classic science fiction story by an author named Ray Cummings called The Girl in the Golden Atom, which appeared in 1919. And it's about a subatomic world where an Earthman finds his princess and he's able to fight and defend her. And it's all sort of, you know, instead of being like on Mars, like with a Edgar Rice Burroughs novel or some other dimension or something, it's a subatomic world. And in fact, Ray Cummings ended up working at Timely Publications in the 40s when Stan had started as an editor. 
and he'd even written a uh, adaptation of his story, uh, The Girl in the Golden Atom, for an issue of Captain America. And so now here's Stan and Jack, here with issue 16 of the Fantastic Four, they're kind of reviving this idea of a subatomic world, and especially with a character they've started in another title. So this is about, the Fantastic Four have been going on about a couple years at this point, and they'd started introducing new costume characters in the other titles, uh, the Thor, Incredible Hulk, and Ant-Man, and even Spider-Man and Iron Man had appeared by this time. And so here we have a story that's going to be in two parts. So it's bigger than the original magazine that it appeared in. And you'll notice that there's a lot of uh, attention paid to the conflicts and between the two characters, the, the four characters in the team. And this is something that really wasn't done in other comics. And so... Uh, this is like a new type of writing, and it's feeling the impact to this day, you know, like the recent Hawkeye series on television. And so we're going to look at Stan Lee's and his writing. He wrote these uh, narrations, which he will be reading as we listen now to The Return of Doctor Doom. It is night in New York City. From high atop a Manhattan skyscraper, an amateur astronomer can hardly believe his eyes. Look at that, Martha! A new comet! Something famous! And in the same neighborhood, a daring robbery is foiled when the night sky is illuminated by a blinding streak of light. That's your dead to rights. Don't move. Hey, where'd that light come from? The cause of what we have just witnessed blazes through the sky at almost unimaginable speed. Once again, the human torch is flaming overhead. Something must be wrong at headquarters. Nobody answered my signal. I wonder what could have happened. No power on Earth could put the Fantastic Four out of action. Or... Breed! Ben! Hey, Seth! Where are you? Flaming fireballs. There's not a sign of life. Is anybody here? Yeah, Jeremy, we can't do it! Here, look down here! What's that? You've been reduced in size. You look like the dolls of us that they sell. There's no time for your cheap cracks, matchstick. Grab hold of us. We're being sucked into that air shaft. Hurry, Johnny. Here you go. But you gotta fill me in. Hey, look. You guys are getting bigger. What's going on? I don't know, young fella. It's some power beyond our control. And I got some more news for you. This ain't the first time it's happened to me. I shrunk down like that a couple of days ago, but I didn't tell you because you'd have called me crazy. It happened to me, too. Boy, was it embarrassing. Me, too. This is incredible. It's happened to all of us. <laughs> and what's that laughter? I heard it when I shrank before. You fools! You are helpless, putting in my hands. And this is but the beginning for you. Who said that? It's impossible. There's no one else here. Reed, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Reed, so little chum. We could be in for a big one this time. We'd better start by comparing notes. Johnny, what were you doing just before you shrank? Well, I was working on that new rod of mine down in the garage. Boy, when I'm not flying around on our adventures, I sure get off messing around with cars. Hey, what, what's happening? <laughs> this isn't possible. Well, I'll just do what I always do when I'm in trouble. Flame on! That was it. You're lucky your flame didn't ignite the flammables down there. You think that's something? The time I got shrunk down was even worse. I was messing around in the gym playing with this three-ton weight when all of a sudden... I was my size. I was so embarrassed I hid in a hamster cage. When I grew back to normal size, I just figured that I imagined it all. 
My experience was similar, Ben. Tell us about it, Sue. Well, I was guest starring on Molly Margaret McSnyde's interview show. Tell us, Miss Storm. Who is your favorite member of the Fantastic Four? Gosh, Molly. Looks like trying to name a favorite son or daughter. Holy smoke. She's turning invisible. <laughs> Goodness. That's rude. It was an uncanny, terrifying experience. I was nearly trampled by those people. I was nearly killed when it happened to me as well. I was on my way. Sounds like we're playing. Can you top this? I guess you're right. But there are several similarities in each incident. Yeah, every time the shrinking takes place instantly. We all nearly get killed each time. And that laugh. We're going to need some help to solve this one. Some special help. There's one person who might be able to figure out an explanation for all of this. The Ant-Man. Ant-Man? Batman, Schmadman. Since when do we need help? How could we contact him? How do we even know he exists? Even if he does exist, who says we need him? Hold on. There's more to this than meets the eye. Unseen by the Fantastic Four, a tiny flying ant picks up the mention of Ant-Man's name and begins relaying the urgent message across town. And with a speed that would embarrass Ma Bell, the information reaches a hidden laboratory crowded with sophisticated cybernetic equipment. It's from the Fantastic Four. They need my help. I've got to become ant-sized and head over there. The handsome man's figure instantly takes on the size of a tiny black ant, and Ant-Man enters his high-powered miniature rocket for his ride across town. Hey, Ben, call information for Ant-Man's number. Maybe they'll give it to you. What? Is your brain burned out? Nobody would be in the phone book with a name like that. No need to call me. I'm right here. What's that? Hey, the Ant-Man's right here. Are you kidding? I ain't kidding, hot stuff. The little guy's standing there right on top of the phone. Can't you see me? I'm right here. I'm very audible. But how? We can't understand you, Ant-Man. I'll put this electronic audio-visual magnifying amplifier over you. Even elevator shoes couldn't help this guy. Now, suppose you tell me about your problem. Something to do with shrinking, I presume. That's right. For the past couple of days, and after Ant-Man has been briefed... That's the story, Ant-Man. Some power that we don't understand is able to make us shrink and grow at will. We need a method to find out whoever is responsible and stop them. I see. Well... I have a temporary solution for you contained in these two vials. When exposed to the air, the liquid turns to gas. One is for reducing and the other for growing. Use one drop at a time. It's very powerful. We'll be able to regain our normal sizes quickly should we happen to shrink again? Yes. I'll return to my lab and see what else I can discover about your situation. Guard the liquid carefully as it may soon save your lives. If you need me again, just speak my name. Batman. I wonder if all this trouble could have been started by him. Oh, no, Johnny. He's too cute. If he were normal size... Ah, Sue was bad enough when you were mooning over Submariner. But this guy? A few days later, at the apartment of Ben Grimm's blind girlfriend, Alicia... Be careful now, Ben, dear. Don't hurt yourself. It's okay, honey. Just tell me where you want this piano. Well, I think it should Hi, be... Hi, Alicia. Ben, I've been looking for you. I got something here that I think you're really going to like. Can it wait, Stretcho? I got this grand piano here. Don't think you'll want to wait, Ben. I've been working on this serum for months. This will be the first phase of it. It'll turn you back into Ben Grimm. Okay, but I'm sick and tired of your experiments. You're wasting my time. Oh. Oh. Ah. 
This tastes like horse pit. Never mind the taste. Now it's starting to burn. You poisoning me. That means it's working. But don't get your hopes up, old friend. It won't last. But I'm on the right track. Well, you're right about one thing. It's working. I can feel my point of view changing. Two personalities are so... Oh, Ben, dear. Are you all right? Your voice. I'm okay. Your face. It feels so different. I love you. I don't want anything to change. Nothing's going to change for us, honey. You can count on that. And listen, Reed, I appreciate what you're doing for me with all these experiments, but Alicia loves me as as the thing. So why don't you forget about what you're trying to change me back to my former self and spend your time finding some way for Alicia to see again? Maybe you're right, Ben. I just feel responsible for... Fleecy alive. Beware of Dr. Doom. What was that? A girl's voice. So strange sounding and so far away. And as the web of fate begins to tighten around our colorful characters, let's look in at the famous Baxter Building in Midtown Manhattan, where the Fantastic Four headquarters appear to be empty. But the only ones that can find me when I'm invisible are dogs, due to their sense of smell. This new spray we developed is supposed to protect me from that. Let's see how it works. Oh, for goodness sake. You're so cute. Please, your life. The world's not the door. That voice. Where did it come from? We're just in time. Did you hear that voice? Sure did. You and your horse wanted drinks. Oh, I'm so glad you're back. Oh, you startled me. Did you hear that strange voice? Kind of like that voice the other day. Yeah, but it's a woman. And warning about Dr. Doom. Look, Mastermind, we've been hearing those voices for days. Ain't it about time we did something? Ben's right. Boy, it's time for action. This is a video cassette of the last time we saw Dr. Doom. Let me show it to you. Remember, he was shrinking into nothingness, the victim of his own shrinking ray gun. You can forget that mumbo-jumbo, Dr. Doom. I can feel myself getting smaller. That shrinking ray really works. Of course it works. Look, those creatures he conjured up are dissolving. As he shrinks, his powers are decreasing, too. Don't just stand there. After viewing the videotape, the Fantastic Four reconnoiter in Reed's laboratory. Here, I portioned Ant-Man's formula into equal parts. The blue vials are for reducing, the yellow ones for growing. What are we waiting for? Here we go. Be careful, everyone. Good luck. The serum takes almost immediately, and the quartet begins to shrink so fast it seems as though they're being hurled into the vortex of a madly spinning whirlpool. Smaller and smaller they get, until finally the spinning slows, and the world around them begins to take shape. Oh, Reed, darling, that was some trip. There's a whole world here. Right, Raj, Welcome to the micro world. You were right. He is alive. What have I gotten you three into? Your arrival here is not unexpected. In fact, I've been waiting for you. Yeah. Well, now that we're here, let's get started. Ah, do you think me unprepared for you, He's got a control panel for all his latest toys right there in his throne. What? His latest shrinking ray. Oh, no. Here we go again. And now, hapless hero, you still wish to work. You need powers against mine. You better do it. We'll get you doomed. We'll get you doomed. Before your answer, let me tell you a little story. The story of how I became ruler of this world. 
when I took leave of you last in a rather abrupt fashion. I arrived in this micro-world, a peaceful, primitive place. The people were so contented and blissful that it made my blood boil. I soon put a stop to it. The king and his daughter, Princess Perla, were kindly trusting, simple folk. I soon gained their confidence, and thereby I was able to develop and supervise construction of several new devices. All of this to only one purpose, to develop a ray that would reduce the size of living creatures, and then to transmit both my voice and the perfected ray through the infinite to you. What? I have played with you as a cat plays with a mouse, but now the game is over. The mouse has lost. Guards, seize them. But Paul runs first. He's the leader. Hey, where'd he go? Looking for me, pal? There he is over there. I'm over here. And I'm here, too. I stream the deuce 20 times. I'm dumber than these zombies. Did you get the message? It's clobbering time! I can't let Reed and Thing have all the fun. Flame on! I'll just do a little welding on these robot shapes. That'll keep them tied down for a while. All I've got to do is power up who's in the control box. I'll just cover you with this glass jar. And have myself a hostage. Oh, I have the girl, hopeless one. The once invisible girl. Now try to save her. We're gonna do just that, Dr. Gloom. Really? It will prove quite difficult for you to save anyone when I put you to sleep. Just a whip of my sleep-inducing mystery, Richards. <laughs> you may be a great scientist, but I am Dr. Doom. I am far greater. <laughs> Long minutes later, the Fantastic Four regain consciousness to find themselves imprisoned in a dark, dank dungeon with a captive king and his daughter. Boy, that doom is devilish this time. Don't count us out yet, young fella. Uh. Are you, uh, Pyra, from the uh, same world as the uh, tyrant? Yes, Your Majesty. We've come here to capture him and bring him back to justice. And as long as Doom's twisted mind keeps thinking he can outfox us, we still have a chance. First, we got to get out of here. We seem to be in some kind of underwater cell. Maybe we should call the Submariner. No, stranger. It's not water out there, but a deadly acid. What? What? ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ドゥーム。ド
bits of glass from the serum vials. They must have shrunk to almost nothingness right here. Well, I better go after them. Within seconds, Ant-Man finds himself in the micro-world, doing battle with Dr. Doom's deadly guards. Another intruder over there. Seize him. Uh-oh, Trevor. He, he is too powerful. We'll need reinforcements. Sound the alarm. And then, from out of nowhere, a brutal blow is struck. There, take him to Dr. Doom. He'll know what to do with him. Here, Master, another invader. Good. Oh, good. The of Pook will pay me well for this healthy specimen. Right, soon. And in the dank dungeon that contains Doom's other captives... Reed, if you just let me bash a hole in that wall, we could get out of here and after Doom. Forget it, Ben. If that acid were to get in here, we'd all be finished. Reed, I've got an idea. The walls themselves must resist the acid. How does that help? I know what Sue's getting at. It just might work. Ben, see if you can carefully peel off. Minutes later, the Fantastic Four are almost ready to take a most desperate gamble. You see, you might be able to escape in this crude but serviceable capsule made from the walls of our cell. Ben, be sure to leave enough outer walls so we don't get any of the acid leaking in here. Ah, this is kid stuff. I'll have this section loaded in no time. That should be enough of the walls, Ben. Okay. This last chunk is for the hatch. Just in time. Even though the acid is pouring into our former cell, we're all safe inside this little acid-resistant capsule. And as the deadly liquid fills in around them, the makeshift vessel slowly raises to the surface. Johnny Storm shoots out rays of light to blind the scanner fish. But what of Dr. Doom and Ant-Man? Let us return to that confrontation. Doom, you're a madman. You cannot barter with human lives like so much beef stock. We return to the escaping Fantastic Four. Hurry, Your Highness. We have already stood in front of the enlarging ray. We know it works. Johnny, <laughs> after you restore the king and princess to normal size, meet us in Doom's control room. Come on, man. It's clobbering time! We'll be just in time. I see a ship approaching. It must be the Tokes. Stand back, fellas. That ship looks like a speedball, and I am just back to practice today. Oh, you just control tower for a back. I give you a new practice swing. And now, one home run. And hearing the enormous explosion outside, the Ant-Man's captives are taken by surprise when... He's broken free. Stop him. Not with that gun, you don't. What? A disembodied voice? The invisible girl is free. I've got you now, Dr. Doom. Not so fast, young lady. I can still get away from this trap door. Then all the Fantastic Four must be free. But by the time they figure out how to find me, I'll be gone. I'll be waiting for them on the surface of our own world to give them a reception they'll never forget. Out from under the influence of Dr. Doom, the guards lose their will to fight, and the kingdom returns to normal.
You have saved my people. You have driven Dr. Doom back to his own world. How can I ever uh, uh, re repay you? That's easy, Your Highness. Simply let us use the enlarging ray so we can go after Dr. Doom. Uh, of course. Uh, you have, of course, Grandma. Oh, you are the most fascinating man I have ever met. A flaming one. Must you go, too, if you were to remain? I couldn't leave my partners, Princess Perla. Oh. But perhaps I'll return someday. Knock off the mush, matchstick. We still got a lot of work to do. Remember? So, stepping in front of the enlarging ray, the Fantastic Four and Ant-Man bid farewell to the micro as they continue to hunt for Dr. Doom, the most dangerous man on Earth. And that is the tale for our next adventure. And that was our first part of our Fantastic Four presentation tonight on Gremlin Time. And that comes from issue number 16 of the Fantastic Four, which appeared in April of 1963. Uh, these radio dramas were produced uh, five years later in 1968. Yes, that is Bill Murray as uh, Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, in these productions. Now, in April of 1963, Marvel just had 12 titles that they were allowed to put out on the stands. Their distributor didn't want them to put anything more out. Uh, also appearing uh, at the same time that month was Spider-Man number three, where Dr. Octopus appears. And the other titles, you had Kathy and Millie the Model had a couple titles and Patsy Walker. And then there was Kid Colt Outlaw and Two Gun Kid. And uh, Stan was writing all of those. Meanwhile, in the, uh, a couple of the other anthology titles, you had uh, Thor in Journey into Mystery. Uh, Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, would have his own adventures in Strange Tales. Iron Man was appearing in Tales of Suspense. And Ant-Man was appearing in Tales to Astonish. Now, Stan had brought some other writers in to do those characters. But after a while, he didn't like how they were taking them. They were still doing the same old sort of stories, the more plot-driven stories. And so he would eventually start writing them all. Now, he had come up with a method. It wasn't original to him, but they certainly used it a lot. And since he had to write all these scripts every month, he found it easier, especially with uh, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, where he could just sit down and do a kind of story conference with them. They can say, well, let's have this happen, and then we'll bring Ant-Man in, and then we'll have this subatomic world, and we'll have Doctor Doom, and then this will happen, and then this will happen. Okay, and so they decided how the story would end. Kirby would go home and draw the whole thing, and then hand in the pages to the office. So Stan, instead of having to write from a blank page for these things, which he had to do for all the other scripts, uh, it was already written out. And so he just added the narration and the dialogue. And it was through this that he really starts to create the characterization. You know, the voice of Johnny Storm is different than that of Reed Richards, and it's different from that of Peter Parker and J. Jonah Jameson and Tony Stark and all these characters. And this was uh, what Stan was trying to turn comic books around, to have them written better instead of just doing the same old routine all, every month. And so at this point, uh, Marvel is expanding. Uh, within a couple of months, they would have the Avengers together, and uh, 
so Marvel was just starting to take off. And by 1968, when these um, radio dramas were appeared, they were beginning national attention. Uh, Stan himself would kind of move up to overseeing everything. And he'd have other people like Roy Thomas would come in and write and edit the, uh, the titles. And eventually Stan would be like promoting Marvel for like the next 30 years. He was uh, trying to get this type of storytelling uh, integrated into the movies and to get uh, his characters done as movies. There were a lot of attempts. There was a Spider-Man TV show. There was a Hulk TV show. There was an attempt at a Fantastic Four movie by Roger Corman for a while. And then, you know, eventually Sony had these, you know, the X-Men, and then there was a Fantastic Four. And, you know, remember these movies before the Marvel studio uh, was created. So it took a long time, more took more years than what it took to write these things originally for Stan Lee. And so we're going back today and kind of looking at the original uh, episodes with these uh, radio dramas that were adapted from the uh, directly from the magazine. So here's Stan reading his own uh, narration and uh, Cass doing the uh, characterizations of uh, the different uh, heroes of the Fantastic Four here on these uh, radio dramas. And so we've got uh, a second story here. Now they're going to find Doctor Doom. And so this again was an innovation in its time. Usually just ended everything in one book but here uh, doom is still out there and so you had to wait till next month and that of course would be um uh, may of 1963 when we would have the next uh um uh adventure and what is this is this called in the clutches of dr doom uh, but for right now let's take a quick little uh, musical break this is uh dave brubeck of the piece called Golden Brown, and we'll be back with more Fantastic Four after this.
Dave Rubeck, Paul Desmond, piece called Golden Brown here on Gremlin Time. Just take a little musical break, and we're going to get back now to our Fantastic Four adventure as they search for Doctor Doom. Uh, this is a thing that was not done in other comics. Uh, now, the, there was a lot of great comics that came out at this time. Uh, DC was just starting to reintroduce their 1940s uh, Golden Age characters in the pages of Flash comics. Uh, they were introducing uh, Sergeant Rock and Easy Company at this same time. Meanwhile, over at uh, Dell Gold Key, whatever they're being called, uh, Magnus Robot Fighter by uh, the great Russ Manning was starting to appear. Then there were all sorts of uh, television adaptations. <clears throat> you know, Car 54, Where Are You? Beanie and Cecil, all sorts of great uh, Conga, the giant ape. And uh, I don't know why I was so fascinated with Little Dot. But uh, TV shows like Dobie Gillis and Mr. Ed and others all had uh, comic books about them. But sort of interesting at Marvel, <clears throat> they had just had 12 comics. And so they had the monthly anthology series where um, Thor and Iron Man, Ant-Man and Johnny Storm would appear. Um, Spider-Man was only coming out every other month. And that was alternating with a new title called Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Um, you had Love Romances, a strip called Patsy and Hetty, and then another Western, uh, also starring Kid Colt Outlaw. <clears throat> but uh, Fantastic Four, uh, number 17, came out in uh, May of 1963 as they continued to search for Doctor Doom. Aided by the amazing Ant-Man, the Fantastic Four invaded the micro-world of Doctor Doom and triumphed over their arch-foe. Now, back home again, they bid adieu to their ant-sized ally. Goodbye, everybody! Goodbye! Oh, I feel foolish raven to anything oh, that small. You're okay in our book. It'd be a waste of time to go searching for Doom. He's much too crafty and slick to have left any clues for us. Well, we won't have to wait too long before he makes a move. Right, Johnny. Well, I'm gonna wait by calling Alicia. We might as well get back to our personal lives for now. Reed, I believe you have a speaking engagement at an astronomer's convention. And I got a heavy date. A few minutes later... The foursome are leaving their Baxter Building headquarters and heading out on their various appointments. It's a good thing we didn't use our personal elevator. That's quite a crowd of fans down there. Yeah, but we gotta get out of here somehow. I don't want to be late for that day. If I go out in that mob, I'll get thrown in the slab before it's sight or Hey, over here. I take it out in the freight elevator over there. Oh, we're in luck. One of the janitors. You're the Fantastic Four, ain't you? I'd have spotted you anywhere. And Ben thought he was hiding behind them shades. First time I ever been so close to celebrities. Wasn't my face you recognized, Matchstick. Must have been the fire in your eyes. Oh, before you go, could I shake your hand? Well, sure, old-timer. It's my pleasure, sir. And thank you for helping us. Oh, you've done so much for mankind. Just don't squeeze too hard. <laughs> <laughs> As they leave, none of the colorful quartet notice that the janitor has secretly affixed a tiny tissue-thin plastic disc to each of their hands. It worked like a charm. <laughs> All my plans do. With those specially treated identical discs on their hands, my followers 
boys will be able to track the fantastic four wherever they go tonight. Now, I'll return to my hidden laboratory and put phase two of my master plan into effect. Nothing else will stop me from defeating the fantastic four this time. A short time later, in Dr. Doom's amazing secret laboratory... All my followers, I release you to do the task for which I created you. Each lighter than air robot is tuned to a different identical transmitting frequency. Now, find your objectives. Of course, each follower does find its objective. And now, the Fantastic Four have separately returned to the Baxter Building in Manhattan after several hours of harassment from Dr. Doom's floating robots. Calm down, everyone. I've got a little gadget here that'll tell us what we need to know about these objects. I've modified this electrodetector to zero in on whatever it is that's attracting them to us. There. Reed, it's pointing to your wrist. Big deal. What's that mean? He's got a nice watch. Here, this tiny plastic disc. I'll bet you all have one. Hey, yeah. Look at this. Mine's even got cracks on it, just like my skin. Dr. Doom has to be behind all this. Hey, look, the thing that's been following me is disappearing. When I took that disc off my wrist, the floating jobby just vanished. They were inanimate, with no life of their own. The discs must have given them life when attached to our bodies. Mine's gone, too. Reed, if Dr. Doom is behind this, then he could be monitoring us right now with one of his machines. All right, he is. And now that I have put them off guard with my follower robots, I shall work with a vengeance to accomplish my ultimate goal, the total destruction of the fated four. While spying on the disgusting thing, I saw the way to defeat the 40 foursome. I shall strike at them through their weakest link, the woman that Ben Grimm loves, the sightless Alicia. Ironic it is that even a gargoyle such as Thing can find love and mingle with normal people, while I dare not even expose my face to the view of others. I alone must hide like a ferret from the sight of my fellow man. I shall soon have my revenge upon the entire human race, starting with the Fantastic Four. Starting now. Suddenly, without warning, with a flick of a switch on Dr. Doom's control panel, a strange grapple array is beamed down to the street where gentle Alicia is walking. And then... What's happening to me? I feel like I'm rising from the street. But how? It's impossible. However, few things are impossible to one who is a master of science and evil. Seconds later, the astonished Alicia has been lifted up into what from Earth would appear to be a cloud floating over the city, but is in reality a floating laboratory for the diabolical Dr. Doom. Just a little further, my dear, and my chapter be set. And then, later that same day... Ben... Come here. Look at this newspaper story. Huh? It says here, girl walks on air, stuns crowd. And that picture looks like... It's Alicia. My Alicia. If anything happens to her, I'm going to kill her. Oh, look out, Reed. He's going on a ramp. It's got to be Doom. He's trying to get to me through Alicia. When I get my hands on easy, him... E easy there, Reed. There we go. I'm going to get that piece and finish him this time. Ben's got every right to be mad. I'll even help you, partner. But suddenly... A grim vision appears on the great screen of the Fantastic Four's viewing room. Fools! Your anger will avail you nothing. 
This time I hold all the cards. This time my victory shall be complete. There he is. Excuse me for transmitting my image to you in this manner, but I too am human and wish to gloat over your hapless plight. Now the game begins in earnest. I will tolerate no interference from you. If you attempt to stop me, I shall release my illusion ray and cause mass hallucinations all over the city of New York. And of course, don't forget my greatest threat. Alicia is now my prisoner. If you wish to ever see her again, do not oppose me. Thus, I do render the Fantastic Four helpless. Thus does Doctor Doom become the most powerful. Farewell to your foolish four. He's making a way. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, what about Alicia? You crumb! Hey, come back here! It's no use, Ben. He's gone. Does he really think he can threaten us? Does he think anything will stop us from tracking him down? Reading the world of that evil menace that is Dr. Doom? Wait a second, Reed. I ain't letting you go after him while Alicia's his captive. you got to stay away from him while she's in danger, do you hear me? Don't you see, Ben? This is what he wants, to tie our hands and keep us... Don't try to sweet-talk me, rubber man. I ain't letting you or anyone else cause harm to Alicia, no matter what. You understand? Victorious beyond my wildest dreams. They are again fighting amongst themselves just as I had planned and let them for a while longer. They and the entire world will tremble before my next maneuver. It is not money I seek, nor personal gain. No, what I crave is power. And power is what I shall have. Now I shall send this tape-recorded message to Washington, D.C., outlining my demands. They are not outrageous. <laughs> and within hours, an urgent high-level meeting is taking place at the White House. And so you see, Mr. President, Dr. Doom is holding the Fantastic Four at bay with the girl as hostage, and now demands that you appoint him to your cabinet. He says in his tape message to you that if you fail to agree, he'll declare war on the nation. Thank you for your report, Mr. Hollerman. But no matter what resources he may have or what means he may use, we will not allow this free nation to be a dictatorship. Certainly not under an evil, sinister devil such as Doom. There's only one thing to do. We shall show this egomaniac that the people of this country were born free and remain free. That'll be all. But, sir, what are you ordered? Never mind that. What else have we got? The next day, having received no word from the White House on his demands, Dr. Doom begins his one-man war. And as we might suspect, knowing the doctor, the weapon he uses is his unique ability to control electrical energy. What's happening to this computer? It's gone wild. And within hours, every man, woman, and child in the country is affected. So many power companies are unable to handle the crisis that much of the nation will be in darkness when night falls. The search is on for the cause of this mayhem, but as yet, no clue. And at the headquarters of the Fantastic Four, a grim, brooding official visitor is speaking. And so the Joint Chiefs of Staff feel that you, having dealt with Dr. Doom in the past, well, the country's on its knees, Dr. Richards, and the Joint Chiefs feel that you and your team... We, and the... we understand, General, and we're prepared at this time to discuss... All this talk, and Alicia is still under his thumb. 
But not for long. Right, Reed? How's that? Well, sir, we uh, have formulated a plan... Well, out with it, man. What'll it take to get you started? Sorry, sir. I think the fewer who know about oh, it... Oh, I understand. We've set up a special communication for just this eventuality. Should you need anything from the military, just call this number. Thank you, sir. We'll be in touch. And after the official visitor has departed... Reed, I'm sorry I blew up at you like that yesterday. Tell me, do you really have a plan to save Alicia and nail that creep? Oh, Reed, if we only could... Well, there is, and it mostly depends on you, Ben. Me? That's right, old friend. A couple of hours ago, with my electroscanner, I located Doom's hideout. This is an ultraviolet photo I took of a strange cloud that's been hanging over the city for the past few days. It looks like a giant blimp inside him. That's where he's been monitoring us from. But finding it was only part of the problem. This is an enlargement of that photo. You take nice pictures, but you're wasting my time. Ben, we can't rush into this. He's got a most elaborate defense system against us. Those disintegrator rays are armed and programmed just for us. What do you mean? Well, those floating things that followed us around the other night didn't just disappear. They returned to Doom's laboratory with specific biological information on each of us. See? You mean he's got the disintegrator rays programmed to our individual body chemistry? That's exactly right. But you say you have a plan. And so I do. There's only one of us with the ability to change his atomic structure. When you revert to being Ben Grimm, the atoms and molecules in your body are completely rearranged. That's something Dr. Doom didn't provide for in his trap. I'm preparing a solution in my lab right now that will change you back to Ben Grimm for a specific period of time. After you've taken the formula, you will again be Ben Grimm for exactly eight minutes. Just long enough to slip past Doom's defense system. And you'll be our bashful blue-eyed thing again. Disarm his disintegrator ray guns. Never mind all that talk, mister. Where's that serum? Well, let's go to the lab and see if it's cured. Right on cue as always, Reed. Well, bottoms up, kiddies. Hey. I feel it's working. It's working. I knew it would have been grim. But for how long? Minutes later, in a silent, transparent, magnetically powered, one-man plastic bubble, Ben Grimm begins the most perilous journey of his life. Those ribbons of tinfoil trailing this flying fishbowl ought to jam Doom's radar. Reed said they would. And there are the rotating disintegrators. This potion I took has got to last. Oh, no. My hands. The beginning... If I can only get past those detectors, I can't lose my love, Alicia, to that demon. And there, inside that silent, lonely capsule, an exhibition of sheer raw courage and willpower takes place, such as few men have ever experienced. By the strength of his own unconquerable determination, Ben Grimm forces himself to remain in his normal form for the most crucial few seconds, the most important time of his life, until... <laughs> I made it. I passed the detectors. Okay, Doom. You've had all the innings till now, but we've reached a turning point now. It's our turn. You hear me, Dr. Gloom? The thing is coming against you. First, I'll clobber the main circuit for the disintegrating rays so everyone can join the party. Okay, gang. It's time to play ball. We hear you, man. I hope Alicia's all right. Go easy now. We've only penetrated his outer defenses. Doom is still deadly. Never mind the speeches, pal. It's Clobber's time! This time, my victory shall be complete. Disperse. Don't give him a chance to attack us together. Flame on. I'll go off this way. 
Alicia, where are you, honey? I'm coming to save you. Do you hear me, Alicia? The thing is on the scene. One of us will find a way to trap him. And all of us together can put an end to this. What kind of ship is this? It's got more corridors and chambers than a Coney Island funhouse. And this is the craziest room of all. It's got all these walls. Oh, no, the door. Within seconds, the walls of the chamber begin to revolve around him, slowly at first, then quicker and faster, until it is like being in a tornado gone wild. It's a trap. It's spinning the air around me. There is so much wind that my flame is going out. But in a final, mighty surge of energy, the indomitable torch creates an explosion of enough force to shatter the hidden rotator. And the room returns to normal. Now weak and just barely conscious, the human torch lies motionless, waiting for his strength to return. Oh, out of action. And the leader of the colorful combo is in a different chamber. That door. Doom must be watching from somewhere else in the ship. What's this? Oh, no. Cement. Wet cement is pouring out of those holes in the walls. It'll solidify and there'll be no way out. Not for any normal human. A man could stretch his body into any form he chooses always has a chance. I have to move fast. The cement is quick drying. Now, out under the door. <sighs> Made it. And what does Dr. Doom have in store for the thing? Alicia, honey, where are you? Alicia! Oh, well, it just opened up. Good thing there's this pole. But Doom must have greased it. It's so slippery. If I hit the ground from this high, they'll pick me up with a sponge. If I can just dig my hands into the metal, Alicia's depending on me. There now. If I can just dig my way back up. Just thinking about getting Doom gives me the strength to climb up. Just a chance to lay that crown out. There, I made it. Now to find the others and take care of Dr. Doom. But at that very instant, in Dr. Doom's hidden viewing chamber... The flamboyant foursome have more life than a pack of cats, but even they will not be able to survive the dreaded fury of my earthly power sphere. And here they come now together again, I see, except for the girl. She's not important. Once I have disposed of these, I'll deal with her at my leisure. My greatest weapon is working perfectly. Attracted by their body heat, the spheres are completely encasing the trap trio. And now my power spheres are spiriting them off to another dimension from which they will never return. They are gone. I have won at last. Finally, Dr. Doom is victorious over the Fantastic Four. <laughs> I'll give you three guesses, Iron Face. The thing? No, it's impossible. It can't be. Oh, yes, it can. Uh, he's already turned the force field on. We can't reach him. He can't stay in there forever. And when he comes out, I'm going to be here. But tell me, how did you escape from my power spheres? I saw them take you away. We never went anywhere with your crummy spheres. You wasted them on three flame images of us. Ever see me make a flame image? Here, I can make one of you. See? Pretty good, huh? Never had a lesson. That's enough talking, Matchstick. I want to know where's Alicia, and I want to know now! Never! She's my prisoner until I've disposed of you. I will not be defeated. No, never! 
but Dr. Doom is unaware that even now, a slender woman's figure is slipping into an unguarded room at the other end of the ship. At last, there she is. I hear footsteps. Who could that be? Alicia, dear, it's me, Sue Storm. Don't say a word. Dr. Doom could return at any moment. And before he does, we've got some things to do. First, you go down here. And so, a hurried exchange takes place, and seconds later... Now to seize my hostage. They will not dare attack me so long as I hold her. What? She vanished. That could only be possible if... That's right, Doom. You cannot defeat the Fantastic Four. One hostage is as good as another. You will serve as my prisoner just as well as the blind girl. You are making one mistake, old man. It is you who are my prisoner. You dare to speak so to Dr. Doom? You shall regret that before you die, woman. We'll see who is to regret what. <laughs> Dr. Reed Riches taught me well in the art of Kung Fu. <laughs> and I enjoy getting a chance to use it. <laughs> Indeed. Well, how did he teach you to handle an opponent who holds this ultra heat ray gun? I shall pull the trigger and sweep this entire chamber. Very soon, but you're at the chamber sweeping days are over. Hold me so soon, but I shall never suffer the humiliation of being captured by the likes of you. Fantastic Come back here! Stand back, Ben. Maybe I can still reach him. Nope. Too late. Swiftly, silently, the form of Dr. Doom fades from view as the greatest menace of our age plummets down, down, down until it is lost from sight in the gathering twilight. And in Doom's flying laboratory... Oh, Ben, darling, are you all right? Sure, I'm okay. How about you, honey? As long as you're safe, I'm happy, darling. Johnny, where's Sue? We've got to find her. I'm here, Reed, darling. Sue, you all right? That means our triumph is complete. Darling, if anything ever happened to you... Yeah, what a lot of mush. I don't blame Dr. Doom for jumping out. But the torch hasn't much time to worry about mush. For in the next episode, the Fantastic Four battle a foe who has all the powers they possess and more. Well, that concludes our uh, adventure for this evening in the clutches of Dr. Doom. Uh, radio drama is adapted in 1968 from issues 16 and 17 of the world's greatest comic magazine, The Fantastic Four, which appeared originally in April and May of 1963. And yes, that is Bill Murray uh, as Johnny Storm, the Human Torch. Uh, I've been, uh, I'll be presenting these, uh, this series on um, the Monday Sampler every Monday afternoon if you uh, want to hear more of this. But I uh, wanted to present it tonight in honor of Stan Lee's 100th birthday. Just uh, it's a good example of how his writing was. He uh, wrote the narration and the dialogue right on to the finished art. And it was all, you know, just kind of spur of the moment and intuitive. But you can really see how he's working characterization and here this story that expanded over two issues. As the series would go on, they would have much bigger stories and much bigger characters and more at, uh, fighting with Doctor Doom. And that was coming up in the magazine, The Fantastic Four, um, written by uh, Stan Lee. <clears throat> 
Well, this has been uh, Gremlin Time. Thanks for uh, uh, indulging me uh, tonight in honor of Stanley's 100th birthday by uh, presenting these two, uh, you know, very nicely put together radio uh, dramas adapted from uh, these classic uh, works that are still resonating today. You know, Marvel Studios and how they work the characters in that and how they expand the stories over more than one movie. And it all comes from these early issues of uh, Stanley and uh, Jack Kirby. So uh, you can pick them up uh, in anthologies in all sorts of places right now, as uh, well as, uh, you know, there's new movies, and you can catch, as I was saying, uh, on the Monday Sampler on Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. So um, thanks for tuning in. This is Fortunato. I'll be back again next month. I think we're going to present some Humphrey Bogart uh, as dramas. Uh, I believe we're going to do uh, High Sierra and possibly The Maltese Falcon next month here on the Bedtime Radio Show for Grown Ups, Gremlin Time. And so I hope you join me there. Thanks for listening. You are tuned to uh, Community Radio, KBOO Portland. And we do want to thank those who have gone to kboo.fm slash give and help keeping us on the air. We really appreciate your support. And you can do that too. If you haven't done it already, go to kboo.fm slash give and just follow through the steps and help keep uh, community radio broadcasting. I'll be back again next month. See you then. Full strength community radio. This is Kabanka Pyramid representing from Kingston, Jamaica. Baby Rock family, you don't know. Connect with your favorite community radio station on social media. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash.